I just think people like to feel like they have discovered a secret rather than you hitting them over the head. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest Ecommerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we're welcoming to the show uh, an e-commerce veteran, uh, self-prescribed, uh, as Steve would say. But Steve is one of the founders of Rancho Gordo. Uh, and he decided about 20 years to make a crazy leap to sell beans online. So take me back to that thought process, Steve. Let people know kind of mo- a little bit more about Rancho Gordo and like how did you stumble into this? Well, yeah, it's, it would be the worst business plan you could imagine. Oh, yeah, I'm going to sell heirloom beans that are hard to grow and nobody's interested in. But I had turned 40 and I remember thinking, this isn't working. I had done e-commerce, I mean, not e-commerce, but web design and uh, different kinds of marketing. And every time it just kept failing. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to get a garden and a job at Target. And that's really all life has to offer me. And that's fine. I think if I have a garden, I'm going to be okay. And then that morphed into having extra crops that went to the farmer's market. And then I got really good at the farmer's market. And then I thought, well, the vegetables aren't ripening fast enough. I'm going to do beans to carry me through because uh, beans will be ready before the market start. And of course, I was an idiot. The beans were the story, not the rest of the vegetables. And it just morphed from there. I uh, Because of the uh, web design background, it was really easy to switch to e-commerce when it was time, but it was probably six or seven years of selling to farmer's markets and direct-to-consumer without e-commerce because that was the early 2000s. So e-commerce wasn't quite the thing yet, I guess. It's so weird to talk about this in the past tense to me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, in 2008, I'm trying to remember. uh, I don't even remember. I guess WooCommerce existed back then, I think. Um, but what, what you remember what the first iteration of the site was, what you built it on the technology at least? Yeah. We, well, for the e-commerce part, it was Miva Merchant, it was called M-I-V-A. And at the time it was considered really forward and it was the most archaic. I, I shouldn't say that they might still be around in, in some iteration. I don't know, but it, it, I was able to do it and I didn't have to hire a designer because of my background. And I mean, I, it was web design, so it was not like hard coding, but it needed to be somewhat user-friendly. But I also knew you didn't have to hire a whole team if you could make stuff look good with your own assets, which is what I think I was good at. Mm-hmm. So, But it was me of a merchant. And I also remember the first four orders, I screwed up every single order. And so you really have to, I thought, this isn't what I'm good at. So I hired, that was the first employee was actually to deal with the e-commerce, which were probably six orders a week. You know, they were also doing other things, but in the beginning it was very slow. Well, well, what exactly did you screw up? Um, I would literally look and say, I take two pounds of this and one pound of this. And I screw, I, I just don't, for some reason, I can't look at a picking ticket and fulfill an order. It's not a gift. Oh, so the pick and pack they got, they got kind of Steve's surprise. Yeah, then you, when you screw up an order, you don't make any money on that order because you have to stop and deal with the person. You have to replace it. It's a, it's you you choose your battles. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to do this. I can't. And I also thought e-commerce was going to be horrible, that it would be 
just full of mistakes and really whiny people that weren't going to be happy. And it, it seemed like a real more of a courtesy to my customers than something as a way to make money, especially in the beginning. Well, in the beginning, how did you kind of find those first initial customers online? Were you drawing them in from the farmer's markets or did you have a different strategy? No, it was from the farmer's markets. And we'd have a lot of people, uh, tourists who wanted us to ship. So that seemed like, all right, fine, we'll do that for you. (laughs) It's like now, of course, we would kill. And something in me said, collect their emails. Cause I was very comfortable with email and, you know, websites and everyone said, Oh, you have a beautiful website, except for the e-commerce part. And so we, I started collecting emails. Mostly at that time was to provide recipes because beans are a weird thing and our beans are heirlooms. So they're even weirder. So I thought, you know, you have to make people feel really good about what they've just bought. So we're going to support them all the way. And at that point, you know, there was no talk of customer acquisition. And I mean, it just was a way for people to buy into your lifestyle, I'd say. So that list now is at 150,000 and I've never bought anything. And we've actually called it to about two years ago because it's getting expensive to (laughs) send stuff out. When did you have the realization where you're like, you know what, this, this thing's actually something's going on here and starting to either, you know, take it more seriously from, uh, you know, customer acquisition perspective, or I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but was there, there, was there something that, you know, or a time and a place or just a feeling? Well, starting this all late in life, I will say, I still don't believe it's going to, I tell them don't order too many labels because we could go out of business tomorrow and we're going to be stuck with all these labels. I mean, that's how petty and small I can be. But I think for me, it was probably three or four years into it when I had really great chefs like Thomas Keller from French Laundry and almost every Bay Area chef was buying my beans. I thought, oh, it's this is going to work. And then the e-commerce part, I don't remember what the moment might have been, but definitely when shop, I called, uh, this is so interesting out of me. I called a friend who was a techie and I said, okay, Meva's driving us crazy. I'm looking around. All of a sudden, there's all these great sites. And he said, well, he gave me three different options. One was two of them were agencies and one was Shopify. So I started talking to agencies and they're telling me how much it's going to be. And I thought, well, I've gotten away with murder up until now. You know what? I'm going to invest and go with this guy. But once they were found out, I wasn't interested in fulfillment because that was the word of the day that they would fulfill it for you. Um, they kind of ghosted me and I thought, well, I'll just try this Shopify. And I really fell in love with it. So I still, I still, still do it. We have 26 employees. I'm still the one writing the copy, doing the uh, photographs. I do. I'm doing it all. Do you remember what year that you made the switch over to Shopify? No, I don't. I should find out. W- it would be interesting to know, but I don't know what year we did it. It would be interesting. It would be more interesting to me because I'm a nerd and we didn't uh, really get. Let's see. I knew what Shopify was before we started the agency and before my partner. We started, we started tag teaming things. So I think I've been into this ecosystem seven or eight years now. And even what it's grown from that long ago to now is a completely different product. Yes. I'm going to guess it's six. Well, it's got to be at least six years, I would think. And I also started out with a email program called Your Mailing List Provider, which was out of Holland, I think. And it was really reasonable. And then... I went to straight to Clavio. That seemed like overkill. Then we went to MailChimp. But then MailChimp started kind of fighting with Shopify and the prices went up. And I thought, well, let's just go back to Clavio. And I'm in Clavio, but as you will learn as we talk, I'm wasting my money because I'm not using any of the data. So 
you'll be a therapist today too. <laughs> well, that's a conversation that we can have after this podcast. We're we're Clavio Gold Partners in here over here, and if when Andrew on my team finds out about that, he's going to he's going to email you. Yeah, no, no, I'm happy to talk about it. I'm sure there's a lot of low hanging fruit I'm just missing, but it's working. So, and then when people look at like. Well, anyway, <laughs> when people look at our like open rates and our click rates and our buy rates, they're freaked out. They're so high. And it's like, well, it's not because of anything I did. I, I've been, I don't even know what a good one is technically. So, Well, that's what happens when you have a product. You, that's like, see, that's the power of product market fit. When you have something that people want, you know, please don't take this the wrong mm-hmm. way. And I'm not saying this about you, but you can put out a subpar experience and people will still you know, go through with it to make the purchase because they love the product that much. No, no, trust me. I, I could just a ton more I could do for sure, but <laughs> it's working is the weird thing. And I think part of it is, you know, I was some early on Facebook, I was doing some Shopify groups and the difference is a lot of these people are e-commerce people and I'm actually a bean person using e-commerce. So, uh, I think that's the main difference. Well, absolutely. But what you're saying is you don't have to be an expert as long as you have passion about your product, For sure. you, can, you can start a business. You just have to listen to your customers. Yeah, and listening to some of these people, it's like, dude, you should go do a pop-up or walk the streets or do something. But they're just sort of waiting for that whole, if you build it, they'll come. It's like, well, not really. I mean, if it's a great product, sure. But it, it does take a little more work. And I think depending on technology is a mistake for a lot of people. Yeah, well, even now, like uh, Shopify itself, the barrier of entry to build an e-commerce business has never been lower in the no. history of the world. But your competition is higher than it's ever been. And if you're not building something that's going to differentiate yourself, you know, if your product knowledge or your passion about the problem that you're solving doesn't exist, why would someone pick you over the dozens of others that exist, you know? No, but that's the great equalizer to me and why e-commerce is so exciting is it's really based on your talent, not on your budget. I mean, there is some budget stuff and you can be obnoxious and bombard people with stuff. But if you're really clever and you've got a great idea and people can smell that, you could still make it. I don't know how much longer that it'll be like that, but um, I, I think it's really democratic in the best sense. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E.io. Mesa is the Shopify expansion pack to level up your brand. By turning all your internet-connected apps into your business epicenter, Mesa can lighten your workload and tame the day-to-day chaos of running your store. Join other successful brands that have learned how to balance clever workflows with a solid infrastructure to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need to order data in Google Sheets, products on Etsy, or customers added to HubSpot, Mesa has you covered. Peace of mind is right around the corner when all your apps are working seamlessly together. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Search Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omni-channel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. 
Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Bandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. Mention this podcast when you sign up to get two months free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Today's show is sponsored by the B-Profit app for e-commerce sellers. If you're looking to get a crystal clear picture of your online store's profitability, the best way to do that is with the B-Profit Profit Tracker. Your online business probably has a ton of different expenses that often shift and change. What if you could keep accurate track of things like ad spend and production costs and get an accurate profit margin calculation without the headache of spreadsheets or half-baked apps? That's where B-Profit comes in. B-Profit lets you analyze all of your store's data quickly and accurately to stay on track and optimize your profits. I know a lot of our listeners out there probably keep track of their profits and expenses with a spreadsheet. That will work for a while, but as your store starts to scale up, that simply isn't a viable method of accurately measuring profitability anymore. B-Profit can change all of that for you. Available on Shopify and all the other top e-commerce platforms, the app offers advanced analytic tools to turn mountains of data into intuitive charts and graphs in the blink of an eye. Customize your dashboard, discover valuable insights, and zoom in on the metrics that matter most to you. Take it a step further and gain full control over your data by creating and exporting custom reports. You can even find out which are your most valuable products, top performing ads, best customer cohorts, and so much more with the B Profit Profit Tracker. Visit bprofit.co today to start your seven day trial. Don't forget to use code HONEST15, that's H O N E S T 15, to get an exclusive 15% off any plan you choose for the lifetime of your plan. That's bprofit.co, discount code H-O-N-E-S-T-1-5. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Let's go back a little bit. You make the switch over to Shopify and you're, you're all in on the e-commerce side of things. Um, what have you know? What's worked for you as far as new customer acquisition and growth? Like, what kind of helped you scale the email list to a point where you got one hundred fifty thousand subscribers after deleting some? Well, it's been word of mouth. You're, I have never paid for a Facebook ad, believe it or not, and I've never paid for Google placement. And if you go, if you type in heirloom beans, we're the first two pages of Google searching um, with. Facebook, if we had an event at one of our... We also have a retail store, too. Um, if we had an event at the store, I would 
try and find local people and do an ad for them, but I would never spend over 25 bucks. So it's all been word of mouth, I hate to say. But we've grown, I have to tell you, between 15 and 25% every single year since I've started. It has never gone down, except for in 2020, where we doubled because of the pandemic and people were eating beans like crazy. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, with the pandemic, it's pretty easy to understand what that growth, but what would you say, uh, what attributed to the consistent growth for the business? Partly, I think people like to discover stuff for themselves and you see some sort of internet marketing and it will be a young, attractive person saying, Hey guys, I'm trying this. Is it, it's so formulaic. It's like, it turns me right off. Whereas if I'm revealing a secret to you and, and we're not, I don't think you could do this with a mainstream product. I think it's really for niche products, but it's like Seth Godin talks about like people like us do things like this. So you have to find your people like us and really thrill them. So my thinking was beans are not going to be something that everybody goes for. So why don't we just delight and thrill the people that we're with more than anything? And they tell their friends. So as a joke, I thought, well, let's start a bean club because we have wine clubs here. And I live in Napa and there's tons of wine clubs and that couldn't be more boring to me, but let's do a bean club. That'd be funny. Well, right now we have 11,000 members and a 30,000 person wait list to get in. And I did it as a joke, but I thought I would love that. Every quarter you get all these great beans. And then the customer service part of it was killing us. So I said, let's just start a Facebook group just for bean club members. And now they just sell themselves. And when the new shipment's about to come, you know, we'd say, what, what beans do you still have? Cause you're about to get six new pounds and they all, they just take care of each other. It's, and one uh, reporter report uh, claimed it was the nicest place on the internet because everybody <laughs> is super supportive. And in the end, I mean, I didn't plan this, but one of the bean club members worked for the New Yorker and then the, he ended up pitching the idea. And so the New Yorker did it like a 12 page story on me where he came to Mexico and came to Napa. <laughs> it was amazing. But the secret is also, I just think people like to feel like they have discovered a secret rather than you hitting them over the head with this. Now, maybe if we were selling sunglasses from China, it'd be a different story, but because it's a real product, uh, I just don't know that mainstream advertising would work for us. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, I'm going all over the map, but (laughs) no, no, it's a very interesting story. But I think, you know, the one thing I want to really point out here and you kind of highlighted on it is it was how niche your product is. It just shows how passionate your community will be around it. And you guys serving, your customers in such a passionate way and building the community around it. Um, you know, that's helping you guys grow a hand over fist every year. Just, you can't, you can't even supply the demand that currently exists. No. And you know, and that's just bean club. We also have a regular business and plus we sell to restaurants as well. So we have a wholesale Mm -hmm. and a retail and that's for us where Shopify has really been not great is having, two different businesses trying to use the same inventory. We were using something called Trade Gecko, which we started really early with them. And it's been a nightmare from a customer service standpoint from us, from the word go. I hope they're not a gold partner with you too. But <laughs> familiar, with, familiar with the product, but I don't think we've actually integrated anything with them uh, historically. Yeah, we're getting out of it as soon as we can. But And my staff is almost in tears. We also uh, are very, I don't want to say political, but... We, well, I am. So, I mean, that hasn't hurt us is the interesting thing. It's only helped. 
So, so uh, by that you mean uh, just uh, being true and honest to the brand through your own personal voice and like how that resonates with your customers? Well, for one, you know, we're really big on immigration issues. So we started donating money to a group called No More Deaths that provides water for people trying to cross the border. And, you know, a lot of times it's our policies that will create situations that they have to flee from. So it's like all of our problems. And, you know, we take drugs they don't mostly. So, you know, it's our problem too. So, um, we donate some money. Originally we got a lot of blowback from that, but then I've had some great conversations too, where people, I mean, it's a humanitarian thing. And I mean, I'm all for immigration reform, drug reform, everything, but you know, these people are dying. And then after the Parkland shootings, FedEx, uh, was giving a discount to NRA members. And this isn't about gun rights. It was about the NRA. So we actually cut them and we got a lot of publicity from that. And we got a lot of people upset, but we had even more people like we had, there's was a letter writing campaign thanking us. So, but now we're back with them. So, but once in a while, I think you have to draw a line in the sand about stuff that really matters to you and it's culturally relevant. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's just the one thing that people need to know that like at the end of the day, it's your business and you can make any choice that you want. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is people say businesses should never take us. St- We'd have people on the opposite side telling me that. And I said, really? Because I think there's a lot of what Coca-Cola is giving a lot of money to political things. They're just not wearing it on their sleeve like I am. I mean, corporations are involved in politics all the time. I'm just being upfront about it. So now, is there anything that I haven't asked you about the growth of Rancho Gordo that you know comes to mind that you want to share with our audience? Well, I think you know, keeping up with what's going on, you know, everything's data driven. You know, if you change the box from blue to red, you're going to get a 0.2 percent increase in clicks. I find that really boring unless the box is gorgeous and will help enhance the experience of buying the beans with us. I think also. I'd see other companies that are just so caught up in data, which is, I'm a complete, I'm sure I'm wrong about it, but I, I just think it's really important to know what your product is and have a passion for it. And that also you can be sort of old fashioned. We have a retail store that does really well. Our retail staff is also our customer service staff. So we keep that in house and it's really expensive, but I think, you know, these people are hard to find. So I overpay them. I think not, no, I don't overpay them. I pay them what they're worth, but uh, they have to know how to cook. They have to know how to check a package. They have to uh, help someone with a Christmas gift. And then they have to know how to uh, work the inventory system. So I think they're really valuable. And I don't think you can farm that out. Um, so I'm just saying there's a place, I would say, for old-fashioned business, like in the old days. And we're not built to sell. Like uh, you can tell some companies are built in order to be sold later. And we've had a lot of, especially lately, uh, interest. And it's like, eh, it doesn't feel like the right thing to do. So I'm not going to. Absolutely. No, I think so. You can be <laughs> my flag is you can be old and still do this and have a great time and be successful. There's nothing wrong with a lifestyle business. I think that that is uh, uh, something that's been put out there by uh, I don't know, it just it doesn't feel to me either. Um, I think that it, there's nothing wrong with just having a beautifully profitable fun business that, you know, waking up and going to work every day is fun. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, it's close, but it's <laughs> most days, I will say. Yeah. I mean, our big issue is, you know, securing farmers to grow our beans because the heirlooms taste better. They're harder to grow and they're fussier, but the payoff is uh, 
the flavor and the texture. And, you know, you can go to the grocery store and get really crappy commodity beans for, you know, $2 for a sack and ours are seven and eight. And we're hopefully not having to go any higher than that, but it's still pennies a serving and everybody wins. And it's, uh, and we're, you know, growing mostly in California. It's, but the finding the supplier is a real tough thing, which I'm sure is the same thing if you're you know, printing books in Asia or, Whatever. I mean, supply chains are really a horrible issue right now. Absolutely. It's something that a lot of our uh, prospects and clients are currently dealing, especially for those that not in the know. We're recording this like one week before Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So it's probably peak on the mind for kind of anyone out there. We started the 10th. I thought, I can't do this again. Like last year was a nightmare. And I thought, oh boy, it's only going to be worse because the post office has promised they're going to charge more and give us worse service. And I'm sure that's going to be with everybody. So we actually started our Black Friday last week. And, uh, but stuff's dribbling in. So we're going to actually have to do another Black Friday announcement. Oh, and can I tell you another thing? We've never discounted a pound. I've never offered a sale oh, ever, yeah? not one. So I, I think that's a slippery slope to go down. I mean, it, maybe it helps with certain commodity items, but our Black Friday is all about, here's the new stuff we're doing and these are great gifts and here's recipes to go with them. Yeah, no, I think that you are correct that uh, it, when you are building your brand out, the way that you establish discounting into your business model needs to be really uh, not a snap decision. You really have to understand your margins and how it's going to affect things if you're successful in three years, five years, 10 years. And if you're successful and you have people that really love what you're doing, they're going to wait for the sales and they're going to just going to, so your very best people are going to screw up your margins, I think too. Absolutely. Yeah. Steve, this has been a wonderful conversation. One, it was a refreshing perspective <laughs> and I, I, I liked hearing, uh, hearing a lot of this from you, but I think what resonated most with me is as long as you have a passionate marketplace and you have a quality product, it's almost hard not to succeed. Yeah, no, I would buy that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and also know your customer. I mean, I'm trying to please me yeah. and that's really much easier than figuring out what pe other people want. Like, what do I want and how would I make myself happy? And that has been, that's been my tool. And I, I think it works. Uh, you know, that natural curiosity is what led you to producing the product in the first place and then going to market with it. Yeah. But feel free to call me with suggestions. <laughs> I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Steve, if people are curious about actually trying the beans, where do they go? Uh, RanchoGordo.com. And we're in a couple of stores too, all over the country. But the RanchoGordo.com is the best. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Steve. Nope, thanks for having me. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.